Thank you so much to Linda for sharing our gospel today. Welcome to the sermon. I have something to explain right off the bat, which is partway into the sermon, it's going to go split screen. And when it does, you're going to see two slightly larger kids, Graham Gallagher and, and Paul Langer, building the domino chain of cereal boxes down the aisle here at the Cross of Life campus. It's going to come down the aisle, around this baptismal font, up those steps, up a couple more steps up there, and then when it gets to the very end, it's going to hit a bottle of half and half and knock it into a bowl, because of course you need milk when you have your cereal. We're doing this as a part of the online experience because we don't want you to miss it, because in all of the in-person services, our Sunday school kids are going to be building an even bigger domino run. Depending on which campus, it'll be inside, outside, in the Fellowship Hall, through the narthex, all sorts of places. And in those places, it's going to hit a glass of milk into a cereal bowl. It'll be spectacular. We didn't want you to miss it. And you should watch. We'll post the, the one that the kids do uh, at some point, and hopefully you'll get to see the bigger version of it. But this version, it's going to be pretty good as well, especially if it works. So you know that's coming. Meanwhile, there's the sermon. Gee, I should do that. Let's see. Uh, we're starting with the rhyme of the ancient mariner. That's the one that has lines like, water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink, or the image of an albatross around your neck. What's the deal with all of that? That's a poem written um, by what, Samuel Coleridge in the late 1700s. And uh, um, it, it's got, uh, all of this kind of gripping detail, but also kind of this like acid trip, colored serpents and all this stuff. I mean, it's a really out there poem. I think the reason he wrote it, most people would agree, was actually kind of a simple act of faith that we should take good care of the creation and the animals. Let's do a quick synopsis in case you're not associated with the film, or with, with the film, with the poem. Uh, so a ship sails away from a harbor. Uh, an ill wind blows it far south into frozen seas where they are becalmed and stuck, no wind. Suddenly an albatross is flying around the ship and the other sailors on board take this to be a good sign and in fact they break free and are no longer becalmed. There is wind in their sails, but the ancient mariner the one sailor on board who perceives that the albatross is evil and what does he do? No. Don't do it, dude. He shoots the albatross. <sighs> Don't shoot the albatross. Everybody else on board knows that that is a horrible mistake. They hang the albatross around his neck, hoping that it's an act of contrition and penitence, but it does not work. And they see, sail into another becalmed sea where everybody dies, terrible things happen. Finally, the guy gets it. He does his prayerful penitence. The ship sails itself back to port and he spends the rest of his life having to tell others the tale as a further act of penance. Isn't, how is that for a Cliff Notes version? Uh, or what's the other thing nowadays besides Cliff Notes? I'm hoping Graham t tells me what the answer to that is. Oh yeah, what? Oh yeah, Spark Notes, even better. Um, so actually, I tell you all of that not because I'm particularly interested in that part. The part that I'm interested in is that apparently Coolidge, like most people familiar with the sea at that time, uh, is as fearsome as wind is. Uh, it's also what brings life to a ship. It pushes it forward. It provides commerce and fishing and opportunity along with danger and tempests and gales. But I think for sailors, there's always a sense that perhaps you have a chance to control it. That doesn't work when there's no wind. 
When you are becalmed, it is the most fearsome of things. You have no past and future, only a present which is slowly slipping away from you and its lifelessness. If the wind does not return, you have no future. To be becalmed is bad. Pentecost is about that. Because Pentecost is aware that our world and our lives spend a lot of time being becalmed. I, I just kind of think of the world we're in nowadays, and we increasingly have a hard time trusting each other and trusting our institutions. And so people are suspicious of the church, of the local restaurant, of the grocery store, of doctors, of lawyers, of police, of government, of anything you can think of. And when we become suspicious and mistrustful, we withdraw and we try and do it on our own. But in our withdrawal, we start to lose touch with life in our own spirit. And eventually we become becalmed in our, our suspicion and our, our anger and our aloneness. On that first Pentecost, I think the evangelist Luke, who also writes the book of Acts, is aware that the world itself was kind of becalmed. And, and, and throughout the book of Acts, he returns to that as, as a theme. When the Apostle Paul gets to Athens in Greece in chapter 17, he notices all of these altars to gods, including an unknown god. People were lost and out of touch with themselves and with the divine. It was a becalmed world. And then the spirit blew in. In Greek and Hebrew, the languages the Bible is written in, the same word means breath and spirit and wind. And so God breathes into their reality and suddenly people are alive again and they can hear in their own language good news. It is a great gift to hear something in your own language. To be able to speak in someone else's language and listen to them in return is an act of great respect. But we can't all be bilingual, right? Fortunately, there are other languages. The language of gratitude, love, uh, attentiveness, helpfulness, uh, learning and teaching. There are a thousand different languages out there that we can speak and especially listen to each other in. The Spirit gives us the power to do that. I could talk forever, as you know. We should just end, because of the work the kids do this weekend on all those boxes, we gotta end with a kid's story. And this is a story I think most of you have heard the start of, but you maybe haven't heard all of it. So the part I think a lot of you have heard is like two weeks ago, a, a recruit, an army recruit in South Carolina going through basic training, it was like three weeks in, and apparently he was super homesick and just kind of melted down. And he took his unloaded uh, weapon and he hijacked a school bus with one driver and 18 kindergartners on it. And apparently he was kind of thinking they were gonna to drive to New Jersey, which is where he was from. That's a bit of a haul in a school bus. Um, so Good Morning America interviewed this driver like two weeks later and were lauding him as a hero. And he said, you know, I'm not like really the hero here. The kids are the hero. What did the kids do in that situation? They could have been terrified. They could have been silent. They could have all been crying. But instead there was a spirit about them that was in touch with who kids are. What do kids do in a new and curious situation? They ask questions, right? And so these kids started peppering this guy with the gun with questions like, is that a real gun? Are you gonna shoot the driver? Are you gonna shoot us? Where are we going? They just kept laying it on this guy. In four minutes, the driver said, 
like the guy with the gun couldn't handle it anymore. And he stops the bus, tells the driver to stop, has everybody gets off the bus, and he keeps going, and of course gets stopped, and hopefully gets a lot of help for what he was going through. The kids, however, they were in touch with their natural spirit of curiosity and questions, and actually connection to this man who, whose, whose gun did not so frighten them that they could not still have the spirit of life. It's Pentecost, people. Water, water everywhere, right? And plenty to drink. One, one of the things Jesus says is, if, if somebody gives one of my people in their, especially maybe if they're struggling, one of the least of these, just a cold glass of water, it's, it's like doing it to me, and it's like the greatest of blessings. Share some water or some coffee or some time with somebody this week. Share a cereal box with somebody this week. Those are little things, but little things build up, right? Or, or do a big, hard thing. It's striking to me that we, we've had over 100 people in our sanctuary here from, from Cross Lutheran Church. I'm not sure we've ever had more than like 15 or 20 down there. This Thursday, 5 p.m., be here at Cross Life. We'll drive down to Cross. And the cool thing we're doing down there for two hours is taking a driving and, and walking tour of the Cross neighborhood. It's filled with people and history. It's a safe place. It's a, it's a good place to be. Um, but apparently it's a hard place for us to be because we rarely get a lot of people there. It would be really cool if you could join us for that tour. It's Pentecost, people. It's a week to be back in touch with your own spirit and with each other's. It is a world where, where being becalmed really is a constant threat. But there is also this amazing spirit, the antidote to all of that, that gives us the capacity to live again, to breathe, right? Ooh, that's where we need to end. So we're going to run the domino run. It takes maybe about 20 seconds. How long can you hold your breath? What we're going to do is we're going to take a really deep breath, and then the domino run is going to go. We're going to see if it succeeds. Hold your breath as long as you can. And at the end, once it has been successful, we will trust. The last thing we're going to shout to each other is, the prayer of prayers on this day in particular. Come, Holy Spirit, come. You ready? Ready to take a really deep breath and feel the Spirit? Here we go. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Done.